Uh, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be reading out of the second, uh, second Kings, and we're going to be starting with verse 8 here in a minute. Second Kings, verse 8. It's amazing to me um, how things just fit together. I didn't tell anybody what I was going to preach on today, and uh, in our little meeting beforehand, and then uh, during the prayer just a minute ago, things were said like a lot of people are hurting, Lord, we can't fix it. That sort of thing. Well, you know, the title of my message today is When You Can't Fix It. When you can't fix it. When there's nothing that you can do to fix it. There's nothing you can do to make it better. That's so hard for most of us to hear. It's so hard for us to to believe, to understand, because, because if you're like me, you were brought up to do things. There's a problem, fix it. If there's a situation, take care of it. You know, work at it. If you're not working hard enough, work a little bit harder. You know, just do what you got to do to make it happen. And if you work hard enough and you try hard enough, eventually it'll all work out. You know what? Sometimes we face things in this life that that's just not true. That's just not true. And no matter how much we want to, We cannot fix it. We're going to look at the story of the Shumanite woman today uh, in 2 Kings chapter 8, I mean chapter 4, starting with verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed, in a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day, when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shumanite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on behalf, on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. See, she said, really, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm good. So Elisha asked Gehazi, and what did Gehazi say? Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood at the doorway. About this time, next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. See, what she was saying was, listen, don't get get my hopes up. Don't do that to me. Please, I'd rather just stay where I'm at without any hopes than for you to get my hopes up. Don't, Don't do that. But guess what? (laughs) But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew. And one day he went out with his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. And then the boy died. She went up and laid on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. 
She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today? He said, It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. In other words, it's not the normal time to go see him. You're going at, 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 a, at a different time. Usually, we would wait until the new moon or, or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. You hear, hear what she's saying? She said, look, I may not be in as good a shape as you are, but you don't slow down unless I tell you to. I want to get to see the man of God just as quickly as I can. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shumanite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Well, Gehazi got to her and he asked her those things and she said, Everything's all right. Well, she kind of lied, didn't she? She kind of lied because she didn't want to talk to the man of God's servant. She wanted to talk directly to the man of God. He wasn't good enough. I'm sorry, the servant wasn't good enough. And so she said, yeah, everything's all right. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you not to raise my hopes? You hear what she's saying there? She's saying, look, I didn't ask for this boy. I didn't ask for him. You gave him to me. Didn't I ask you not to get my hopes up? Did I ask you for a son? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. And if you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Elisha said, okay, servant, go as quickly as you can. Don't talk to anybody. Don't answer anybody. And go to where the boy is at. <clears throat> but the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. You hear what he's saying? She's saying, she's saying Gehazi's not good enough. I want you. I want you. I'm not going to leave here without you. And so what happened? She got up and Elisha went with her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the, on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. Now remember, they built a room for Elisha up on top of the regular house. And what did the Shumanite woman do? She took her dead son and put him in Elisha's room up there on the roof in his room on his couch where he normally slept. He went in, Elisha went into his room, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, as he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. 
Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Sometimes we face things in this life that we can't fix. Nothing we can do to make it better. And here again, the hardest part of this message for you to understand is that sometimes we have to get to that place where we understand that no human effort, no human effort is going to fix the problem. Nothing is going to fix the problem. I can't fix it. I can't be smart enough. I can't be strong enough. I can't be steadfast enough. I can't hang on long enough. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to fix the problem. This problem is bigger than me, and I can't fix it. My mind works in weird ways, and I was sitting here, how could we get this across today? If I was in this room, and there was no furniture to stack, and there was nothing to climb upon, and somebody told me, you know what, the only way for you to save your life is to get up there and take something off of that projector, what would happen? You see, I would be, there, there's absolutely no way I could get to that projector. I would want to. I would think about it. I might jump as hard as I could, you know. I might try every way in the world to think, how can I get up there? But there's no way for me to jump up there and get to that projector. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I, and I have no problem admitting that <clears throat> because that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big San Antonio Spurs fan. There's not a spur that could jump up there and touch that. Not one. But the reason it's so easy for me to give up on that, the reason it's so easy for my, my reason to take over is because it's not important for me to touch that projector or not. It doesn't make a bit of difference. We're just, we're just here in this some kind of, you know, uh, you know, educational exercise here. Who cares? But if your life depended on it, or if something you really cared about depended on it, then reason would be pushed away. And you would over and over and over and over and over again try to figure out how can I get to that projection. And isn't there something in all of us that says, if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen? Isn't there something in all of us like that? You want it bad enough, you can make it happen. And you know what? In some things in life, that's true. What we're talking about today is when you can't fix it. When you can't fix it. And only God can fix it. What does our story tell us today? Well, number one, it tells us that this humanite woman was a good woman. She was a good woman. She was a good woman. She lived a good life. She saw the man of God. She said, I believe he's a man of God. She had discernment. She had wisdom to tell her that this was, Elisha was a man of God. She had hospitality. She told her husband, she told her husband, hey, when he comes by, instead of just feeding him, why don't we build a place so that he has his own place when he comes through the region. 
He'll have his own bed and his own lamp and, and his own room, and he can come and go as he pleases, and, and, and we'll just have a place right here for him. Pretty nice lady, huh? I mean, think about that. What do you think her husband thought? Oh, no. <laughs> you, want build a, you want to build a room up there for this guy I don't even know? But she saw, she had that discernment in her that she, she, she knew that Elisha was, was a man of God. She, she had been blessed. She was rich for that day. I mean, when you, can, when you have your own house and you can build an extra room for somebody who's just coming through every now and then, you're a pretty wealthy person in that day and age. She was blessed with material goods. She was blessed with a, with a hospitable heart. She... Uh, she provided meals for Elisha every time he came through. He, she even built him a room so that he could come and go as he pleased and be comfortable when he was in that region. You know, she had lived a good life. You know, sometimes we believe, and I think, it's a, I think it's a defense mechanism. I think it's a defense mechanism because we want to feel like we're in control. We want to feel like we have some control over our lives. And we believe, you know, if I live a good life, then bad things are not going to happen to me. If I do the right thing, then, then, then bad things won't happen to me. You know, I've, I've heard Christians get in discussions over karma. And when you talk about karma as, a, as, as something out there, most Christians say, I don't believe in karma. But if you start talking to them very long, you'll find out they do. Because basically, most people I know believe, if I, you know, if I live a good life and I do good things, bad things are not going to happen to me. Guess what? No guarantee that bad things are not going to happen to you. No guarantee that, that, that a sickness is not going to hit your family, that a tragedy is not going to hit your family, that, that a car accident is not going to hit your family. That, that No guarantee the mental illness will not hit your family. No guarantee. No guarantee. And so she had lived a good life. But it was no guarantee that tough times were not going to come. Then notice in verses 18 through 20, even though she had lived a good life, man, she was faced with a gut-wrenching problem. She was faced with a gut-wrenching problem. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, my head, my head, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him back and put him in her lap, he died. He died in her lap. She had a gut-wrenching problem. This beloved son had died. Now notice, she didn't ask for the problem. She didn't even ask for the son. She didn't even ask for the son. And, and how many times have, have I heard people say, this isn't fair, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. How, why did this come upon me? I mean, my goodness. Look at all these other people out here doing all these bad things. And this hadn't happened to them. It's happening to me. She had a gut-wrenching problem that she did not ask for. She had a gut-wrenching problem that she did not create. It just happened to her. It just happened to her. Here again, guys, 
Every single day when I watch the news, every time I, I listen to the strife and the anger and the, and, and the, the you know, just the, the craziness that is our world, the evil that shows up on a daily basis. When I think about all that stuff, I think one thing. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It's not the world that God created at the Garden of Eden. It's a world that's been infested by sin. And we live in a fallen world. And, and, and that evil and that fallenness touches all of us to one extent or another. And there's no guarantee that something terrible, some, some really, really tough thing might not land on you or your family because we live in this fallen world. Your beloved pastor of many, many years, you all know that his daughter has got cancer. Guarantee you she didn't deserve that. She didn't ask for that. None of the family wanted that. But it's something they're dealing with. It's something that's there. It's something that's real. And, and that's just one example of a million that each and every one of us could stand up and talk about. All of us have examples of things like that. And so she had this gut-wrenching problem that she did not ask for and she did not create. But let me tell you, it was there and it was real. Understand, the next thing, she was powerless to fix it. She was powerless to fix it. Look at verse 21. She went up and laid on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She went up to this room where this holy man of God stayed when he was there. She went up there, maybe just to, to, you know, to smell the air of the room, maybe to, to catch a scent of this holy man that came there. She laid on his bed, but then she realized that wasn't doing any good, and she got up, and she walked out, and she shut the door behind her. You know what she was doing? She was putting the situation in God's hands. She was basically shutting the door on her own efforts. I can't do anything about this. I can't fix this. I'm going to shut the door to my own efforts, and I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to God. Next, she got serious about getting God's help. In verses 22 through 30, we see that she went immediately. <laughs> you know, what did her husband say? Well, it's not, the, it's not the new moon and it's not the Sabbath. I don't care. I'm going now. I'm going right now. She went immediately because it was important to her. You know, it's, it's interesting to me when people say something's really, really important to them and then they mess around two or three weeks before they get around to it. I've never quite understood that. When something's really, really important to us, we get to it right then. Right then. I mean, when I was growing up, yeah, hey, listen, guys, we all have our faults, amen? You know, and, and, you know. and, and when I was younger, I didn't drive real well. No, I drove well. I just drove well fast, okay? And, and, and I was always, you know, getting tickets and things like that, you know. And, and, and I remember I was at home uh, once, and my father had a heart attack. He was having chest pain very badly. He was having a heart attack. And we lived out in the country east of Rockwall, Texas. Let me tell you, there's no hospitals out there. 
There's some close by now, but there wasn't any back then. And so we got in the car. And man, he was in the back seat. And he was hurting and he was turning pale and he was sweating and he was, and, and I'm driving. And yeah, I'm going pretty fast. <laughs> and I'll never forget, it's funny now, wasn't funny then. But dad said, you know, you need to slow down or none of us are going to get to the hospital. <laughs> but you know what? When we realized he was having a heart attack, we didn't say, you know what, dad? We'll take you to the hospital after we finish dinner. Oh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? It's crazy thinking. Oh, we didn't wait. We went right then. It was immediate. It was important. It was vital. And so we went right then. The Shumanite woman didn't wait for the new moon. She didn't wait to the Sabbath. She didn't wait on all the other things. She went immediately. She knew she had to go right then. She went to God with, a, with, a, with an urgency. In verse 24, she saddled the donkey and said, Lead on and don't slow down unless I tell you to. Don't slow down unless I tell you to. She had an urgency about her. Look at verse 30. The child's mother, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm not leaving you, Elisha. You stuck with me until you go take care of my son. I'm not going anywhere. Now, you know, some people might think she's a pushy woman. But you know what? She loved her son. And she believed that the man of God was the only one that could take care of her son. And there was an immediacy there. And, and, and there was an urgency there. And, and as she got close she realized that she didn't want to be, she didn't want to go to somebody that was kind of close to God. She wanted to go to the one that was absolutely closest to God. When Gehazi got out there, what's the matter? Nothing's the matter. And she kept going right towards Elisha. Right towards Elisha. Hear me, guys. There were people in my former church that used to think that my prayers meant more than theirs. Can I tell you something? If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have the ability to go straight to the throne of God. And you don't need to go through anybody. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying we don't share our problems with each other. We don't, I'm not saying we don't ask other people to pray for us. I'm not saying that other people cannot be a, a source of strength and encouragement. But what I am saying is, don't go to somebody else. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord with your problems. Ask Him. Spend time with Him. Gehazi, no, 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 Gehazi, everything's okay. I'm going to Elisha. Because why? Elisha represented the living God to this woman. And she had to get as close to Him as she could. Notice in verses 32 through 35, though, when they got back, she wasn't standing over Elisha. She wasn't in the room with him while she was praying and ministering to her son. She stepped back 
and let God work. She stepped back and let God work. How hard is that? Wow. Man, I know me. If I'd have been, I would have been wanting to look over her shoulder. I'd have been wanting to know what was going on. I would have said, you know what? You laid on him a little while and he got warm. Lay on him some more. What are you doing getting up and praying again? Don't do that. This other thing. I would have been trying to, to, to guide the process any way I could to try to get my son back alive. But what did she do? She turned it over to the man of God. She stepped back and she walked away. And she left it in God's hands. That is so hard. That is so hard. But you know what, guys? Sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes all we can do is to pray about it, leave it in God's hands, step back, and let Him work. I have people in my former churches that, you know, godly, godly parents whose kids had gone astray and awry, and, and, you know, and I say, you know what? You love them. Love them the best you can, but, but at the end of the day, all you can do is pray about them and let God work in their lives. Because I assure you, what you're going to try to do, more likely than not, is going to boomerang backfire on you. It's going to be worse than otherwise. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story where 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 you thought you were doing the right thing and you ended up making something worse? Man, I do. I got all kinds of stories like that. Yeah. Sometimes we just have to leave it in God's hands and step back and walk away and let Him work. And what happened at the end of the day? Well, God rewarded her faith. Gehazi said, call the Shumanite. I mean, Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite. He did. When she came, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And she took her son and went out. You know, guys, there was nothing the Shumanite woman could do to fix the problem. She had lived a good life. She had a gut-wrenching problem. She didn't ask for the problem. She didn't create the problem herself. She was powerless to fix it. She put the situation in God's hands. She shut the door to her own efforts. She got serious about getting God's help. She went immediately she went with an urgency. She got close as she could to the man of God, to the one that represented the living God in her life. She stepped away and let God work, and God rewarded her faith. Now, here again, God doesn't always heal the one we pray for. God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer. Sometimes His will or the way things turn out are not the way we would want them to turn out. And yet, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, as those who, who believe that, that our God is loving, all-loving, all-knowing, and He's everywhere, we have to believe that He knows that thing that troubles our heart. He knows. And He not only knows, He cares. And He not only cares, He wants to work in that situation. 
Sometimes we need to just step back and get out of the way and let Him work. Oh, listen. I'm not saying that we don't ever do anything. What I am saying is that we don't do anything in a situation until we bathe it in prayer and we ask Him to lead us every step of the way. I don't know if you're like me, but I'll bet you are in some ways. Your normal reaction to certain things is is probably not always the best reaction. I know mine isn't. (laughs) I know mine isn't. And so the only way that I can navigate through the troubles of this life is, is to walk closely with God and to allow Him to lead me and to shape me and to mold me and to, and to say, whoa, Dal, not that. Let's not do that. Let's step back. Let's let me work. Let me work. Because I do know and I do care. And I love you very much. I don't know what I don't know what's bothering you today. I don't I don't I don't know what kind of pain is in your heart. I don't know what problem you have that you can't fix. But I will say this. I believe with all of my heart that the very best thing you can do is to give it to God. Give it to God. Believe in him. Go to him with an urgency. Go to him immediately. Maybe you need to shut the door on your own efforts and just give it to him. Hand it over to Him and let Him take care of it. Trust in Him. Put out a fleece. I like doing that sometimes. Put out a fleece. and Say, God, you say you know. You say you care. You say, yeah, I claim those promises today. I claim them. Because I know that your word is completely trustworthy. I know that Satan is a liar when he tells me you don't care, that you don't know, and that you will not act. I know that he's a liar. So I'm going to stand on the solid rock of faith in you. You know what that means? That means giving up control. I don't like doing that. That means giving up knowing what the answer is. That means giving up knowing when the answer will come. That means really giving up all control and letting God have that control. And, and, and that's probably the hardest thing, if I may speak autobiographically, that's the hardest thing for me to do, is to step back and give up that control. You know, the funny thing is, how much control do we really have anyway? Huh? It's just that we think we do, right? But isn't it hard to give up that that we really don't have, but we think we do. I don't know where you are today, but I know this. Take your burdens to the Lord, and He will hear your cry. He will answer your prayers. He will walk with you through the valley. He will help you in your time of distress. He will shelter you in His loving He will uphold you with His righteous hand if you will trust, truly trust,